0: Have you ever thought about the most intriguing, important, thought-provoking questions in life? Um, You know, Rick has been bringing some questions at the beginning of every one of his sermons that we've been uh, going through this series, and he's kind of taken a lot of the good ones, you know, with his riddles and and things like that. Um, So... You know what, I, I went and looked and found some of what I think are the most important and the deepest and just the best questions that I could possibly find that people have asked over time. And the first one is this What would you do for a Klondike bar? Okay, so maybe deep isn't necessarily the right uh, way to phrase this, and these are more advertising-related, but still, I want to see how many of these you you know. And the the second one of these is uh, from my childhood in the 80s, which I had to clarify first service is the 1980s, not the 1880s, because some of my teenagers from youth group are in here, and they seem to think I was born earlier than I was. But I'm not Jerry. Come on. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> he needs them. All right, so here's, here's the next one. Where's the beef? What, what's that from? Wendy's, Wendy's that's right. That's, I, love, I was watching the old commercials of that little old lady just running around yelling, where's the beef? It's amazing. All right, here's the next one. Got milk? Yes, that one's milk. Good job. Can you hear me now? Verizon, good. You guys are good at this. How do you spell relief? AIDS. Nobody spelled it for service either, but. Pardon me, but do you have any? Gray Poupon. You guys watch too many ads. All right, last one. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a? Tootsie Pop. How many licks does it take? Three. Three. The wise owl. With three. All right, for the past few weeks, we have been looking at what truly are some of the most important questions that have ever been asked. And these questions were asked by Jesus during his time here on earth. And so, so far, we've looked at three of these questions. We've looked at, do you want to get well? Or we've also looked at, why do you doubt? And last week, do you love me? Today we're going to look at the final question in our series, and it's the one that I think is the most important question that Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? So as we dive into this today, let's start by going to the Lord in prayer and asking him to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, uh, we do just come before you today and just uh, just humbly ask for your blessing on our time, and we pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to the things that you have for us today, that that we would just find that uh, the word from your scripture that is your word, and just that it would just get into our lives and and change us, um, Lord, as, as we move forward. And we just thank you and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2015, the Barna Group, which is a research group that does polling, uh, they asked Americans some questions about what they believe about Jesus. And the first question that they asked on this poll is whether or not they believe that Jesus was a real person in actual life. Uh, And over 90% of the people that were polled believed this to be true. And another question that they asked was whether or not the person responding to the poll would have identified themselves as a believer, as someone who followed Jesus with their lives, or had made a commitment to do that. And over 60% of the adults answering this poll said that they have made that commitment. So over half of Americans identify, because that's what this poll was, it was on, in, with Americans, but they would identify themselves as Christian. And yet, Those who believed that Jesus was real were asked if he was God incarnate, which is really just a fancy way of saying that Jesus was God who came down to earth as a human. Now, under half of those people believed this to be true. In fact, 8% of those believed that he was a great teacher and a great man, but he wasn't God. And I'm telling you these stats to show you that there are many different ways that people view this man called Jesus. The vast majority of people believe that there was a person named Jesus who lived sometime between 4 BC and 33 AD. There was an actual person in history named Jesus. He had parents named Mary and Joseph. He lived in Israel. He taught people. He gained some followers. And then he was arrested and tried and crucified. And for quite a few people... That is where the story ends, that Jesus died, and then nothing more happened. But for many, Jesus' death wasn't the end. Jesus, uh, in fact, it was where everything was headed. The question of who Jesus is has been asked for a long time. In fact, it's been asked ever since he was around, So for 2,000 years, this question has been out there, asked of literally everyone who has ever heard the name Jesus, who do you say that he is? Is he just a good man, or is he a good teacher? Is he full of wisdom and morals, or is he something else, something completely different? Is he God? To help us understand the answer to this question, we're going to look at a passage in one of the first four books of the New Testament by a man named Luke. Luke was a doctor, he was a historian who wrote an account of Jesus' life, and in chapter 9, this question is asked of different people. In chapter 9, verse 18 through 19, Jesus asks his disciples this question. He says, once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Now by this point in Jesus' ministry, he'd become pretty well known throughout the region of Israel where he lived and where he taught, to the point that even the Tetrarch, the ruler of Judea, whose name was Herod, had started to hear stories about him. And earlier in Luke chapter 9, Herod even asks this same question of Jesus' identity. He's given the same answer as we just heard, that he was John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets come back to life. What's interesting about all of these is that all of these people mentioned are prophets. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, the one who would come before and announce that Jesus was coming. We see him at the beginning of Luke's gospel as well as the other three gospels, preaching and baptizing people and saying that they should repent or turn away from their sins and turn to God. Jesus himself called John a prophet, and even more than that in Luke chapter 7. But John and Jesus lived at the same time. They were cousins and, and had been around each other, and John baptized Jesus. So it, it's unclear how this could have been a suggestion for who Jesus was. Now the next idea is that he could be Elijah, who was an Old Testament prophet around whom is the idea that he would return near the last days. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Now the other option given is similar to Elijah, but expands to one of the other prophets come back to life. Now we're not really sure who this prophet would be, but there's a bunch in the Old Testament to pick from. So who do the crowds say that Jesus is? Who are the crowds that were contemporaries of Jesus around his time? Well, basically, they say that he's a prophet. And as one commentary writes, they're not necessarily wrong. Luke has portrayed Jesus as a prophet, but to say that he is simply a prophet is both inaccurate and inadequate. The people say that Jesus is important, but nothing more than a prophet. But what about his closest followers? Jesus had many people following him, but there were 12 who were his hand picked, chosen followers who left everything and went with him and lived with him and traveled with him, and they had the absolute closest interactions with him, so you would think they would be able to answer this question best. I mean, think about it. The longer you hang around someone or, or something, you begin to understand them even better, right? Um, if I were to ask you who's your best friend, not just their name, but who they really are, who they are as a person. If you've been friends for a long time, then you'd probably be able to tell me almost everything about them. Well, Jesus and his disciples had been around each other for about three years. They had seen him teach. They had seen him do some pretty amazing things, like healing sick people or, or helping the blind be able to see. And, and they traveled with him, walking with him for many, many miles, spending so much time together. And, and so surely they would know who Jesus is, right? And now it was their turn to answer the question, In verse 20 of Luke 9, but what about you, he asked, Jesus asks, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus asks his closest followers the same question, and Peter, who is kind of the spokesperson for all the disciples, calls Jesus the Christ of God. And it's interesting here, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago, and they're going through the book of Matthew, and they, they, they were talking about how Peter was the one, like we looked at a couple weeks ago, that Peter's the one who got out of the boat, right, when Jesus was walking on water. Peter's the one who, at that time, made a, a confession, pretty much, with his, with his life, that, that Christ was who he says he is. And this time, it's, it's, it's not necessarily with his actions, it's with his words. But he's making that same confession. You are the Christ of God. But who or what exactly is the Christ of God? For a lot of us, we think that uh, Christ might be Jesus' last name because that's how we hear it, right? Jesus Christ. But it's actually not a name, it's a title. And this title comes from the Old Testament. If you have an NIV Bible, then you're going to see a footnote after the word Christ, which says, or Messiah. And I know that that may not be that helpful um, if you don't understand what a Christ is, but this actually does lead us in the right direction to kind of figure it out. Because in the Old Testament, the Messiah is this promised king for Israel who would reign forever. Like, he would come and rescue Israel and then reign As their king. The prophet Jeremiah speaks to this in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, where it says, In these days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And so Peter answers Jesus, and it leaves us to wonder was he right? Again, they had spent a lot of time with Jesus, so they should know. And as we look, we see that Jesus doesn't necessarily and explicitly say that Peter was correct, but here's what he did have to say in verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Jesus tells his disciples, Well, don't tell anybody. About this, and then he gives them the reason for this. And while it's not necessarily an explicit yes, Peter, you are absolutely right, or at least how Luke records it here, Jesus is affirming Peter's answer. He tells them not to tell because it is dangerous to his to his mission, which he explains in verse twenty-two. He provides them with the true definition for what the Christ is going to look like in reality, and that's something not even his closest followers never quite understood. We know this because later in chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, they were arguing over who was going to be the greatest among themselves. They didn't really understand what the Messiah had come to do. See, they were looking uh, to see the kingdom begin, but they thought he was going to be a conquering king, freeing them from, from the Roman occupation and oppression. And he did come to liberate them, but it was for so much more than that. The crowd say that Jesus was a prophet. Nothing more. The disciples say that Jesus was the Christ, but their understanding of what that meant was imperfect. There's one more picture of someone saying who Jesus is in this section of Luke's Gospel. and So we need to skip ahead a little bit to verse 28. Where it says this, after eight, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. When he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. So a little over a week, a week after Peter's confession of who Jesus is, Jesus takes Peter and John and James up onto a mountain. And, and while they're there, they, they not only hear the ultimate confession of Jesus' identity, but they also get to see it. For themselves in a way that no one had ever seen before. While they were praying, Jesus' appearance changed. His clothes became so bright like lightning. And then a cloud comes over the mountain. And from that cloud, God himself speaks. He says, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. The identity of Jesus as the Messiah is confirmed by God, which I would say is a pretty good confirmation. So the question stands, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked that question to his followers 2,000 years ago, and he still asks that question of us today. Who do you say that he is? Is he a great man, a prophet, great moral teacher? Or is he something more? Is he the son of God? Scripture shows us that the disciples and God himself affirmed this unique identity as God's son and Messiah. But you also must decide on who you say he is. If you believe he is who he claims to be, then the next step is to follow him. Perhaps today you just needed the reminder of who Jesus was and 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 his identity that just reminds us that he is Lord, in control, and we can find our salvation and more and rest in him. Or Maybe you've never really even thought about that question until today, but I urge you to consider it, deeply consider it, because it is, it's so important. I don't think that there's any more important question that you're ever going to come across. And should you decide to follow Jesus, what does that look like? Well, he tells us back in a little bit earlier in the the chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, follow him. It's not always going to be easy. There's some burden there, but follow him. Give everything to him. I mean, he's worthy of being called king and lord. And, and if you do follow him, you will lose your life. You have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross. Bear your cross, your burdens daily. And follow him. And as he says, you can gain the whole world. And yet you can lose everything because you have rejected the most important thing, Jesus. And if you're going to call him king, if you call him Lord, that means something. It's incredibly important that you understand that. Like you are giving up everything for him. But the reward to that is incomparable. And so the question is still asked today as it was 2,000 years ago. Who do you say that Jesus is? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here today would just take time to consider that question. That we would all just deeply consider who you are. And that those of us here today who may not know you, but but would like to, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to soften their hearts and give them courage to talk to somebody about it, to talk to you. And for those of us, Lord, that just needed that reminder, we thank you for it. And we pray that you would just help us continually, day by day, Just take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. Just day by day, minute by minute. And so, Lord, we know this is going to be a hard path. It's not easy. Crosses are, are not light. And yet you are there beside us all along the way. So, Lord, we thank you. And we love you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.